Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hello, Dog Speak Geeks. Hope you're having a great week. It's only Tuesday. Britt? <laughs> you sound awfully awake for someone who's been up with a puppy. Y'all. For the last couple of weeks. <laughs> Why do people do this? <laughs> I told, who was it I was talking to? Oh, uh, we, were, we had dinner with a friend the other night. And uh, we took the puppy over to her house to meet her dog, who's like our god dog. And uh, they got along great but it it's funny we were teasing her hey well maybe we'll just leave him here with she said no i've already been through the puppy stage but you we were talking about how you forget it's like childbirth you're like oh well i guess i'll just have another child yeah it wasn't that bad (laughs) and you know what though i will say that he he's small he wakes up overnight i don't know every two to three hours and he just can't seem to pee and poop at the same time. So he'll pee, and then he'll want to go back out in like three hours to poop. So no, I've not been sleeping. I remember, though, all my puppies before have been large breed. Mm-hmm. We were sleeping through the night. And the Those second little bladders week, are bigger. This little bladder, man. Mm-hmm. But I will say, um, we've had no accident in like a week. Mm-hmm. He's ringing the bells. Um, he has never had an accident in this crate. And he sleeps in his crate fine. After he potties, he goes right back in it, goes back to sleep. As a matter of fact, he falls asleep before I do. So by the time he wakes up again to go poop, I've only been back asleep like an hour and a half. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm tired. Um, but thank you for watching him this morning so I could go back to bed. Last night was probably our best. We slept five hours straight. straight. Well, close to five hours straight. Yeah. He slept close to five hours straight. I got probably four. But that was a that was huge. So, yeah, I'm feeling a little more awake. Awesome. Yeah. It's hard. Puppies, but he, overall, he is a good puppy. We're, he, not, oh, we're not having a ton of issues. Yeah, no, we're not having... Um, He's not a shark. He's not no, chewing things up. No. He and, is being a little rough with the cats. Uh, we're working on that. We're used to that with He likes fellow. to bark. 
Damn it. Which is which is weird because Isabella's not a barker. It's been so quiet around here. I know. And now we've got a barker. Well, I mean, Dan would bark. My Roddy's would bark. But not at just anything under the sun. Not during play. Mm-hmm. And his high-pitched. Holy moly. <laughs> Y'all, he is cute, though. If you've not seen him, I highly recommend you get over to Instagram. There's some really cute pictures. Yeah. Um, we're, we don't know what he is. He came out of a hoarding case. He was less than a week old. And he's only about nine pounds and approximately 14 weeks. We're going to do a little contest. We've uh, ordered his DNA kit. And we're going to see what he is. And we're going to do a little contest through Instagram. If you can look at his picture... I'm going to be the first person to guess the majority of that breed. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you, a, we're going to send you a little puppy package. Yeah, and we'll start that with next week. Oh uh, so yeah, I think it'll probably be next that. week. Um, the the DNA kit should be in this week, but it says two to four weeks. Mm-hmm. So we just don't want to leave you guys hanging. We'll, we're going to work out the details, uh, but just follow us on Instagram so you don't miss out. Um, we will put it on dynamic content though, so it plays before every podcast episode, so you don't miss out. But just keep an eye on it and go ahead and start looking at the pictures we're posting as he's growing. So that, that can give you some hints, too. Um, I have my ideas. As I, y'all know, I call him a little shitter. But I have no. It's been some I interesting know. things of people of what they've said. But I think it's important that they know age, his weight, his size. Um, because a lot of people are looking at him and they're like, oh, he has a little pit bull face. Mm-hmm. Y'all, he's That's, nine pounds at well, 14 ter- weeks. Well, but it's that terrier, terrier, that terrier somewhere is in there. Something. I don't know. So it's we're going to be looking for some specifics of what you guys think. We're going to put together a cute little enrichment kit or something and send you guys. Mm-hmm. But we're going to work out the details, and uh, we'll let you know for sure. But I thought that would be a fun contest. Yeah. And it's, you know, because we, we've talked so much about how important it is to know at least um, the main breed of a mixed dog so you can meet those needs genetically and um, sort of know oh well it's terrier you probably have a predisposition to digging and right that's environment hunting and yeah Uh, so whereas Isabella isn't super stoked about hunting and that sort of thing you know that's his yeah she's about herding Mm mm-hmm so, yeah, so it is important to know so that we can meet those needs. Um, but also making sure that, say, you have something like a herding dog who does not enjoy walking the neighborhood because or walking downtown location where there are a bunch of cars. Right. And we go, wow, has this dog had a negative experience? Probably not. It could just be the genetics of the dogs. Like, this is too much chaos. I can't coordinate this. Right. I can't get all these cars and these people and these dogs put in a in the you know, in the box that they need to be in. So I'm, I'm too stressed out. You know, Isabella doesn't like to walk in downtown areas. Mm-mm. It's too busy. I mean, in her defense, I don't either. So it works out for It does work out. But that is, you know, making sure that you're not forcing your dog to do something that's causing it stress. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people get dogs, and this is kind of going into what we're going to talk about today. A lot of people get dogs because they want certain things. Now, when I was looking for a puppy... I had specific ideas in mind. I want a dog that I can take into the woods. I want a dog that I can take to family and friends. I have a dog that I want to, that I can take to like patios mm-hmm. and events. So it um, go in the water, go kayaking, go 
go fishing, go, you know, do all these things. So I wanted a dog who could breathe in the outdoors. Mm -hmm. Um, His nose is a little short. He would be considered brachiocephalic, but we're going to hopefully work through that. Um, Because it gets hot. It gets hot here. So um, when I was looking at personalities and looking at different dogs, and this is what the fourth dog we've tried. Because mm-hmm. we trial them. We we work with rescues that allow us to trial some dogs. And if they don't work out, they usually have homes before, oh, yeah, before yeah. we even make a decision. But I really wanted one that was going to be confident and willing just to kind of do whatever. So that was important to me. And so I'm, I'm what I've seen from him so far, I think he's going to do that. And he's going to be that. And y'all got to go see, uh, post today the Instagram picture of we bought him a little life vest with a shark fin. Baby shark. Don't you start singing that. <laughs> um, but it's going to be really cute. I, we've not taken him to the water, but y'all, it's been raining here. And he's had to pee in the rain, the sleet, the snow, because it's been a mixture of everything. All within and he's been fine. 24 hours. And we have a spot in our yard that tends to flood because the drainage is terrible. And he was fine. So I'm hoping he'll be okay. Well, he did get in the creek the other day mm-hmm. at the park. So we're, we're going to find out. I'm going to take him out today. We're going to go do some fun things today and... And see how he does. But it was, it's important, though, that you, when you're thinking about why you want a dog, and it's funny because when I ask people, why do you want a dog? Or why did you get this dog? Usually they just say companion. To me, that's just not a clear enough answer. Right? Well, yeah. I mean, there are plenty of dogs who aren't uh, overall, I mean, genetically great for companionship. Correct. I mean, there are exceptions to every rule. Absolutely, um, but over across the board. But, you know, that Malinois you just got is not going to be your companion in the way you want it to be. Exactly. So so let's look deeper at that, right? Why? What is the purpose of a dog? Do you just want something to come home to? Do you want something that's going to be there for you when you come home and have that cuddle? Then you need to get a toy dog, right? Mm-hmm. I know you love the look of the pit bull. But that's not going to be what you're looking for. Those, some of them are very, most of them are very cuddly. Well, they're very cuddly, but they also, but like, they if have I just want other needs. Right. That's why well. I didn't get another Rottweiler. Right. Because I don't have the time to give that Rotty what they need. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to put it on you. As much as I love the Rottweiler, and I will have another one. I just knew right now in my life, it would match all I, all I want because it, they have. I just didn't have the time to give what it needs. It's not fair to the dog. And it's not fair to the dog. And so I really encourage you guys, if you're looking at getting another dog or um, or maybe you're, ta- you're listening to this podcast because you're looking to get a dog, um, and maybe it's your first dog as an adult or first dog altogether, really do your research. But the first question you need to ask yourself is, why do I want a dog? What do I want that dog to be for me? Mm-hmm. I wanted a buddy. Not just a, you know, a dog to come home to. Right. I want a buddy. You have a buddy and you and Isabella go and do things and I don't have a buddy anymore. So I wanted to get a buddy. Yeah. So I have a buddy and, and he's right now being all the things that I need him to be. So I really don't, don't just tell me you want a companion. Look deeper, guys. Yeah. Because I think if you look deeper and you start to really understand and then you look at the genetic needs of the dog. You can avoid a lot of behavior problems and a lot of issues that you have with your dog mm-hmm. if you just get the right dog for you. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm officially a border. I mean, yes, I've had a border. I've had them before, 
sort of got away from that. But I'm a, I'm I'm that crazy border collie person. I've become that person. You really have. And um, you mentioned yesterday. Yesterday was her birthday. She's three. I cannot believe she's three. Uh, it's yeah. You mentioned she's your soul dog. Mm-hmm. And I think that that soul dog part does the genetics does play a part of that because yeah. the Rottweiler is my soul dog. Mm-hmm. You know. And who knows, maybe after this little man, <laughs> that might change who my soul dog is. I don't know. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I, I really encourage people to dig deeper. Don't just say, I want a dog and go find the cutest one. Because if I was just going with cute, I'd have had a dog six months ago. Um, if you were just going to go with cute, you'd stopped at Isabella, who's the cutest dog Not ever. my buddy. I'm okay, gonna, she is pretty dang cute, though. going to be putting some pictures of that up. Um. Shout out to their groomer, to her groomer. Uh, shout out to Kira at um, Milk and Honey. Well, we talk about them all the time, but Kira. Uh, oh, man. And, I, yeah, they're local, in, so sorry, my our listeners that yeah, are not here. they're in Dixon, Tennessee. Um, I'm going to tell the story. It's totally off topic, and it's not what we're talking about today. It's on topic because it's about dogs. Uh, but shout out to her. Uh, shout out to groomers in general. Uh, I think we sort of forget that they are a part of your dog's care team. I recognize not everyone gets their dog groomed. It's, you know, not cheap. It's, you know, sometimes you just bathe them at home. Um, but if you do have a groomer and they're a good groomer, uh, recognize that they are part of your dog's care team. We, uh, she went for spa day for her birthday yesterday and, uh, her had the window down like normally do. I had, given her a new seatbelt and it wasn't as long as her other one. So she's leaning out to put her little head out the window and she stepped on the buckle and unbuckled it. And before I knew it, my dog fell out the window of the moving car. I am, I'm still <laughs> now, not okay. She was only going like 10 miles an hour and we were, you were still in the neighborhood. So Let's make sure everybody let's preface that let's the dog's say okay. that Isabella is okay and made her grooming appointment. Um I got her back in the car, obviously trying not to bawl my eyes out. She's fine by all accounts. <laughs> Maybe a little dazed by what the hell just happened to me. You know, I've never felt like such a bad mother in my entire life. Like and tell it that it was, I still like I cried about it. Was it was an morning. accident. Yeah, and I she cried stepped about on it, that. She stepped on the seatbelt, which means we're going to have to get her a different type of yeah, seatbelt attachment. But, oh, man. Oh, man. Talk about some some guilt. Anyway, so I, I got there, and I explained to them what happened. And I didn't see any cuts or, you know, nothing's broken. She's good. She's walking. She shook it off. Um, but when I picked her up, because she's, she's furry. Mm-hmm. She's got a lot of fur. And... They had taken pictures of her scrapes. Kira had found them. And so they took pictures to show me, hey, here's this. And then there's this one. But it could be from the puppy, from them playing, because it looks like it's a little bit older and it's healing. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, and and then you hear stories about groomers who find lumps and bumps and save dogs' lives, you know, finding cancer and things like this. So because you what you take your dog to the vet as needed or once a year once every six months usually or once a year typically um so and sometimes it's not as thorough as it needs to be 
And so if, you know, if you've got a groomer who's checking these things out, anyway, shout out to Kira for the extra care she gave her. And she, uh, but the pictures went very slow with her. And also she, my dog's a model. It's you can find them on Facebook and see all the, they take such good pictures of all the dogs that they groom. I but I will say that Isabella has some of the best pictures. Uh, she was pretty Did you, are you going to put those on Instagram? I'm, I'm going to put all of it on Instagram. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway. She, no, it's so cute. She's Isabella home with a toy and some treats for her birthday. And, um, so basically Isabella had a birthday like a 21st. Yeah. Yeah. But just shout out <laughs> to the groomers out there. Um, that's really hard work. And, you know, y'all are going above and beyond. Uh, and basically being part of a dog's care team. And if your groomer's not going above and beyond, find a new groomer. Yeah. Because they, they do, they don't, you don't want a groomer who's just going to rush through to get as many dogs done. Mm-hmm. They do a really good job at focusing on each individual dog. Yeah. And there, and there are a lot of groomers like that who are oh, absolutely. fear-free and um, do a really good job and at, at, at you know. Taking, and they can be certified fear-free. So be sure you guys look for that. Yeah. Anyway, that's t- total side note. Um, I it's feel a dog like, podcast. It, there's really, if we're talking dogs, there's really not a side note. I'm just, I'm trying to get over this guilt. Don't. Of, uh, you know what? Dog. It happens. I just, She's okay. It could have been worse. It could have been worse, but now we just adjust the seatbelt and we're good. So for all those that have had issues like that, don't freak out. Don't. I mean, it's, y'all, we're all human. And it's just life. Oh, man. I know. Looking in the side <laughs> mirror, though, and seeing my dog, like, face plant on the road was oh man it's all right it's happened to more people than they wanted me i'm gonna i'm gonna get over it one day but right now i am sorry we're gonna take her for we're gonna have a good we're gonna have a good fun day today and she's fine she doesn't have any idea what she's probably forgotten about it because she got right back in the car and she was fine yeah i would say yeah if you have something like that happening and your dog is nervous, then just spend some time putting the dog in the car in the driveway with something like a frozen stuffed topple, maybe a trachea chew or a tripe chew, something that's just out of this world wonderful, and just sit in the car with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if your dog is really freaked out, take that time. But she was fine. She got right back in the car and <laughs> we moved on. You moved on. <laughs> not, I don't know that I've moved on. Well, no, you obviously have not moved on. <laughs> So what are, I mean, we've talked a little bit about what today's about just earlier with picking a dog. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, what are we, what are we really getting into today? Yeah. So we've gotten a lot of listener questions lately, which is awesome. Thanks you guys. Love it. Keep sending those in. Um, so we got a, a couple from Ira. She is in the UK. Um, and Omar is her dog. Hello, Omar. He's a great Pyrenees mix. Um, Pyrenean mountain dog. If you're not in the United States, we they say words easier than we do. <laughs> we, <laughs> we look. We have to make things simple. It's a great Pyrenees. <laughs> if so, I have to say Pyrenean, I'm going to mess it up per- somewhere. Pyrenean. <laughs> Hello, so, Omar. Anyway, Hi, Ira. So Omar is. Thank you for listening. Adorably, uh, he's just adorable. Um, anyway, so she asked several questions, and um, rather than just you know sort of condensing that to a listener's question. Thought, hey, let's just do a whole podcast about this uh, because it's something that a lot of us deal with. Um, so mostly we're going to be talking about patience uh, when interacting with your dog, how to stay calm in situations where you may be feeling anxious. Um, maybe your dog's not, but you are. 
So not translating that to the dog. Uh, and then also about building trust uh, after a dog has, uh, whether it's you or a former owner has used aversive techniques. And so how do you kind of start uh, rebuilding that relationship and changing the mindset while you're training? So that's kind of where we're going to go today. All right. Well, that's, I mean, it's definitely yeah. can be an entire episode for sure. Um, what do we want to start with? So um, she mentioned, you know, just staying calm while while you're walking your dog. So, um, and then, you know, brought up me singing to Isabella. Um, <laughs> okay. Just so you know, when I'm singing, I'm mostly just singing what we're doing. And the reason is if it's sort of sing song, it's not going to come out harsh. I'm, I'm laughing because it doesn't come. I'm thinking of Elf. I'm singing. That's ex- that's literally just. I'm singing in the store. That's literally what I do. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I just sing what I'm doing or what we're doing. And we're going this way. And here's what we're going to do now. And she's like, all right, that's cool. Let's do that. Which, you know, people think I'm insane, but I don't really care. Um, I- keep, keeps people away from me anyway. So, uh, yeah, so that's what I'm singing. I'm not singing her a song. It's it's a way for me to not panic if we're walking, you know, towards a dog that might be reactive, kind of keeping her focused on me, but also keeping my nerves down. So my tone's not changing. Uh, like, this way. You know, we're, I'm not giving commands in a panicked uh, sort of. So is this where the dog is nervous as well? And we're trying to help the dog, or are we talking the, the owner's nervous and the dog is fine? Either whatever. way. Both. I think that that's a, that can be a really loaded, deep question, because I think it kind of goes back to getting away from just your personality with the dog. Um, I'm a big believer that humans need to take care of themselves first. Um, I think that um, taking care of everyone before taking care of you is not um, the right way to go about things. Um, because I think that if you don't take care of you, then what you're giving to others is half ass, even though you don't intend it to be half ass. And that's going to include your dog. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that the first thing is that people need to take care of them first and foremost, find out one, why are you anxious? Ask yourself, um, are you anxious walking your dog in the neighborhood for fear of other dogs being loose? If that's the case, stop walking your dog in the neighborhood. Just like if your dog is uncomfortable walking in the neighborhood because of fear of loose dogs, stop walking in the neighborhood. So you have to look at it from both sides. Don't take your dog to walk somewhere that you're uncomfortable with because you're not going to help your dog. You're supposed to be the upper management. You're supposed to be the tour guide. You don't want uh, to take your dog somewhere where you can't manage that. So first I would say set yourself up for success. Go places where you can practice being with your dog in a very um, low arousal environment. Um, that's my first suggestion for that. Um, another is drink a lot. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that drinking is good. good I'm just teasing. Co- good coping uh, advice. I'm just teasing. However, it was before uh, before 1030. Britt's like, can we have Marnock's tonight? So anyway, um no, really, we have a half a day off today, so we I do have a half a day we're off. Today. I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> I would say that also, though, find some things that you can do outside of your dog that helps alleviate your stress. Because I think if you can center yourself and and 
deal with that stress away from your dog, then when you're with your dog, you're going to be better set up. You know, if you get stressed at work, don't come home and immediately go take your dog for a walk. Right? Give your time, give yourself time to decompress before doing anything else. And um, I think a lot of people just don't, I think we've tried to make in a society that taking care of yourself first is selfish. And I just think that's bullshit. Well, I mean, there's a reason you put your your oxygen mask on before Thank your kids. Thank you. Thank you. Because you cannot help somebody if you cannot breathe. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, take care of you first. So whatever that looks like, whatever you have to do, even if it's a five-minute decompression in a bathroom with hot water running and it's steaming up the bathroom and it's just sitting there breathing. I mean, it, it literally can be anything that you find that's decompression for you. Um, and then making sure you're not putting yourself in the environment with your dog that makes you stressful. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't ask you to go to a craft fair with me and bring Isabella along because I know that yeah. that would stress you out. Yeah. I right. Mean, no I matter love, how much you sing. I love the craft fair, but not with her. <laughs> not right. Her. Because that's too stressful for you having to deal with her. Well, because I know she'll be, she's going to be freaked out. Stressed. But even if she enjoyed it, that still might be stressful for you. Just maintaining. Yeah. You talked about how having a service dog, if you had a service dog, that would actually stress you out more. It would cause more anxiety. Yeah. So again, look at, look within yourself and, and don't do things for the dog just to do things for the dog. And I think that in turn, we have to also make sure we're looking at the dog to ensure they're enjoying it. Mm -hmm. So it can flip and forcing the dog to do something that is making them uncomfortable because you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Right. If you enjoy walking the neighborhood, but your dog doesn't stop walking your dog in the neighborhood, go walk the neighborhood by yourself. Right. So you got to work as a team and you got to both be on the same page. And it's it's important, I think, to note that you're not avoiding uh, training situations. It's just reframing it and maybe finding some other way to do it. So, for instance, group classes uh, were very triggering for Isabella and then therefore made me anxious and then became a vicious cycle. She was very reactive in class. Yes. Um, it's not for a, everyone. A lot of times, it you know, it was excitement and it just got overboard. And then sometimes it was just straight up, I don't want to be here. And then I got freaked out. It doesn't mean that I don't need to work on my dog's reactivity. Right. I do. It's finding another way to do that. So uh, going out to a place that she enjoys, we can do that. We can do that at the park. She likes being there. Uh, There are things for her to do. There's enrichment there. And we can work on it there. So I've noticed that her reactivity uh, around other dogs on leash is improving. Well, yeah, but you can walk the campground. Yeah. And dogs are barking at her. And she doesn't react. And... So it's really about where can I work on this in a safe way that's not going to put my dog over threshold. They're going to get a reward from it. I'm not going to be stressed out. Uh, So instead of working on her reactivity class, let's work on it in the campground or the park. Yeah, because a lot of people will sign up for our classes because their dog is reactive on leash. Our classes are not where you need to work right. on that. Now, right. we will eventually set up a reactive dog class where we make 
adjustments to make the dog set up for success. But a normal class is not the place where you guys need to work on your dog's reactivity. Right. You need to be somewhere where the dog is comfortable first. You're comfortable. You can both stay relaxed. You can control the distance from the trigger mm-hmm. and make sure that you can control the immediate environment where you don't have dogs just running up on you. You have an escape plan, meaning that maybe your dog's overreactive and there's another dog or there's several dogs and you have nowhere to go, but you need to just put them right back in the car. You need to kind of think through these things. Don't, yeah, don't put yourself in a, in a situation that is going to stress both of you out. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're stressed about everything, then you need to work on yourself first. I mean, honestly. Guilty. I mean, yeah, if you're stressed out, then you've got to work on that first. You've got to figure out a way to to work through that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe there's another podcast to listen to or a therapist. You know, maybe we'll get sponsored by one of those, um, you know, online places <laughs> um, that uh, that are sponsoring all the website, all the podcasts I listen to. But, um, Yeah, you can work on things without stressing yourself out. But first and foremost, make sure the dog is comfortable. Make sure you're comfortable. Mm -hmm. Just because you like it doesn't mean the dog's going to like it. Just because the dog likes it doesn't mean you have to like it. Right. There are ways to adjust. Um, What do you recommend as far as um, when you've hit your own threshold and you're out somewhere with your dog and you start losing your patience? Because we have, I mean, with a puppy, we understand that. That happens. You get tired of doing the same thing over and over. <laughs> Please stop chasing the cat. That's what the crate's um, for. Um, timeouts. Um, sometimes a timeout might just be you sitting down with your dog, mm-hmm. uh, finding a quiet place, getting back to the car, getting into the car. This is why a lot of times when I start out working with people out in public, I always start at the car. So we have a timeout decompression zone, yeah. which would be back in the car. And and the timeout is not punishment. The timeout is, let's, let's all take a breather and chill out. Absolutely. We have to. You just have to kind of say, okay, let's just take our breath and just, and let's just, mm-hmm. and, and let's just think through this and let's get it down a little bit. You know, I think I've used this analogy before, but I want you to think about your dog's brain as a cup and each cup as thinking as a puppy they have a sippy cup right so like um Meyer's cup isn't real big he's young his his cup is pretty small each cup at the bottom of the cup has they have holes and the holes are based on the ability for the dog to think on his own absorb information problem solve basically in general learning So as you're doing things with a dog, you're filling their cup up. And now this can mean us just riding to, especially for Isabella, riding just to a big box store with her. That ride is filling her cup up. Mm -hmm. Whereas right now, Myers is doing pretty good about just laying down and he's chilling. There's not a whole lot filling his cup up with that. But by the time we get somewhere, Isabella already has stuff in her cup. Yeah, she's a little amped. But... She has good size holes because she knows how to problem solve. So it's draining. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Myers, once his cup fills up, it's not draining real quickly because he's still young. The holes are still small. It's not draining really real fast. So his, his cup can't hold as much um, stimu- stimulation 
or stimulants, whatever you want to, you know, look at it as. And so I need to have somewhere where I can go let his cup drain. Mm -hmm. And that's what the car would be for. Right. Or if you're caught out somewhere, take a step off of it. Let's say you walk in a trail. Take a step off the trail. Go in off the trail 10 feet, 10 yards, whatever, and just just stand and breathe. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I've had to do timeouts where I just put, I just hooked my dog up to like a bench and I just had to walk away for a few minutes. Yeah. In sight. But just be like, I need to, my hands off of you right this second. You need to sit there. I'm going to walk over here and breathe for a second. Yeah, because as you get frustrated and impatient, there's a tendency to, you know, jerk up on the leash. And it's it's just a habit. You get, you just, oh my God, why can't you do this right now? Uh, why can't you get this right? And it's like, okay, let me back off. Got to take a breather. So, I mean, you have to be self-aware in those situations. To say, okay, I'm about to do something. Yeah, I need to breathe. You know. You know, when your dog is not doing what you want, very first thing that I want you guys to start thinking about is why. Stop jumping to the, my dog's being an asshole. Mm -hmm. Please stop jumping to that. I don't know what kind of people y'all have in your life that you automatically assume your dog's being an asshole, but maybe you need new friends or new family members. Uh, <laughs> but... Dogs are not trying to make your life miserable. They're trying to figure this world out. First thing I want you to do is, why is my dog acting like this? Why is my dog not responding? Mainly, it's probably because you've not taught them correctly of what you want. Doesn't mean to get mad at yourself or frustrated with yourself, but give yourself some grace, but also give your dog some. Mm -hmm. You know, just say, oh, you know what? My dog sits really well. So like, Meyer sits really well. In the house, he sits well outside. Um, we've been working on just him being responsive to things. Will he sit today when we go out? Probably not because we haven't really practiced mm -hmm. that. Is it because he's being a jerk? No. Am I going to ask him to sit 14 times in an environment that might be too stressful? No. I have to look at him and say, okay, one, why would I even ask you to do this? It's not, it's not imperative. Guys, your dogs can stand on four feet just fine. They don't have to sit every time you turn around. Okay? They can just stand. Mm -hmm. If I'm stopped and I'm looking at something, they can just stand. They don't need to sit. Imagine sitting every time you're walking with someone, they stop, and, you ha or you're, re and you're required to sit. How silly is that? Mm -hmm. There's no point. But the thing is, is first, just make sure that you're asking, why is my dog doing it? Have I taught them correctly? Do they really understand what I'm asking? Do I even know what to expect? Right. So when I ask people, you know, they go, well, how do you handle this? Well, what would you like your dog to do? What would you like to see? And usually people can just tell me what they don't want. Well, I just, I don't want to see him. I don't want him lunging. Okay. Then what do you want? Well, I don't know. Well, then how do you expect your dog to know? Yeah. So, so don't be getting frustrated right there. You need to kind of think about it. Stop. Don't be reactive. Don't be reactive to your dog's reactivity. Think about it. Be responsive before. You know, it's like there's a reason why people take like driving education, right? Or defensive driving classes so that you learn how to handle things that may happen while you're driving. Mm-hmm. If you're waiting to try to figure that out as you're sliding on ice, not a whole lot you can do when you're sliding on ice, but if you're waiting to figure out what to do in that moment in a car, you're in trouble. 
So I just I think beforehand and think about through the things. You know, if, if today we're going out somewhere, if he starts barking, I need to already know what I'm going to do. Yep. If we're out in public um, at Lowe's and he starts barking, immediately I need to know what I'm going to do. You got to have that plan B. Got to have it, right? First thing I'll do is I'll do, that's enough. I'll redirect, start rewarding him for quiet. I would look around to see what he's barking at, realize that might be a trigger, start rewarding as soon as I see that. If mm-hmm. it's a buggy that's coming in his direction, then I'm going to make sure I'm acknowledging every behavior with the buggy. Now, we're going today to not only take him for exposure and socialization and training, but to pick out some color for the deck. Mm-hmm. Well, I may not get to do that. Yeah. Right? He may get to barking where it's just overwhelming. At that point, he and I will go wait in the car or we'll go hang out in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. But I have to know that. I can't just be like, oh, you little shithead. I'm trying to get shit done. Yeah. I can't do that. It's not his fault. All right. So so think beforehand. Um, and that, and when if you think beforehand of what you need to do, your anxiety will go down. So, uh, you know, kind of comes all full circle. Your anxiety will come down. The anxiety happens because you don't know how to handle a situation. Yeah. So think beforehand. That was a lot of rambling for that. That's okay. I was going to say something, and I I think you covered it all. Sweet. Um, oh, sort of touching back on crates and timeouts and things. And um, um, among trainers, there's sort of a controversy right now about crates, and we won't we won't get into that. Um, you know, there are a lot of trainers who think that they're inhumane and uh, just shouldn't be used. I read a really good thing the other day about using them for timeouts and this trainer expressed a timeout is not a punishment. This is, this isn't a punishment. Uh, If you're throwing your dog into the crate and you're angry and you've lost your patience and you're throwing it in there and that's the only time that dog is in the crate. Yeah. You've created a negative association and that tool has become an aversive. If you're using this as a, hey, let's all chill out. This is a safe place. Here's a topple. Let's take a nap. Let's calm down for a little bit. Let's have a timeout. That's totally different. So it's it's really how you how you use these things. So that being said, if you have sort of lost your patience or you're you need a break and you need to decompress and you are using a crate, do not do not throw your dog in there to teach them a lesson, to show them, okay, you were bad. You weren't acting right. You're going in here. You're going into puppy jail. Um, just just a side note about yeah, sort of keeping that a more positive um, space. It doesn't have to be a crate. It can be a room that, you know, you... You, you know, you you made a good point to say that, you know, you've turned that tool into an aversive. Mm-hmm. It just popped in my head that I think that sometimes people turn food into an aversive. And I'm going to give an example. A dog who is afraid of flooring. Mm-hmm. If we force that dog to walk on that flooring in order to eat life-sustaining food, Mm. Have we not turned that food into an aversive? Yeah. It's like, ah, I'll just. And I say this because I did this. I just want to eat. 10 years ago. 
I was like, well, just feed them in that room. We'll start to change the association. But what I think I was really doing was creating an aversive to where the dog's like, I need that. Yeah. But it's now associated with something negative. So you can still use food to do counter conditioning like that, but you have to be careful how you do it. Mm -hmm. And that's probably another podcast. But I just want to throw that out there that anything can be common aversive. And I see people that use leashes as an aversive Mm -hmm. because they're constantly yanking on it. They're using it to smack the dog. They're wrapping around the dog's belly, cinching the belly up, which Uh, is the kill zone. Um, I'm sorry. Yep. We're going to put the E on this one. Sorry, y'all. I've never dropped the F-bomb on this show, um, but whoa. Right. So I do think that we have to be careful, but yeah, think about the the crates. It's the, the timeout isn't the crate. The timeout would be considered the isolation for decompression in order to learn the behavior we want. Mm-hmm. But also a timeout can be enough for you to breathe yeah. as well. Yeah. So sometimes I tell people, if your dog is in the living room and they're just being a jerk and you're just driving you crazy, you go somewhere. Just walk out of the room. Give yourself a little timeout. Mm-hmm. But that can also give the dog a timeout because they're missing out on what they really want, which is you. Right. So... Yeah, anybody I've seen I've seen a lot of people use crates as an aversive where their dogs barking in a crate and I've seen people kick the crate. This was a I'll use the term lightly cuz it's it's embarrassing a trainer. I mean, it was, you know, so yeah, you can do that. So if you're using a crate, just go put them in it and just, you know, but you can also use a playpen. We've used the playpen as a timeout. Mm-hmm. Um I think you used outdoors as a timeout today. Did I hear that right? As he was barking at the cat, wouldn't leave the cat alone. You finally just put him outside. He needed to get some energy he out, get man. Some energy he out. and Isabella were ready to go outside. There you go. So, so yeah, just look at it that way. They were ripped and roaring. Yeah. So just like the car isn't necessarily a timeout. I mean, it could be consumed. It could be considered as a timeout because they're losing the opportunity for positive, but it's also used as decompression. Mm-hmm. So the dog is ready to learn. Draining the cup so we can put more in it. Yeah. Are there... Um, what non-aversive tools can people use to build their own confidence, um, say, when they're in public uh, or or for strength? So, I, I think, you know, a lot of people worry, oh, God, I have a big dog, and they we're still working on leash manners and off-leash control. What can, what can people use? I think that I have really changed over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to use gentle leaders a lot. I use martingales a lot. Um, I am now, I can't believe it. I'm on the harness train. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that harnesses are a really good way to have control of your dog uh, without causing discomfort if you get the right harness. Now, not every harness is good. Right. Right. You don't want the harnesses that are coming across the shoulders that's impeding that shoulder movement. You don't want no pull harnesses. Mm-hmm. What you want is a good solid harness that's comfortable and padded for the dog that fits on the chest area appropriately. That's not squeezing the torso. Um, and that you can either hook on the front or the back or both together. I like to do a double attachment um, for strength. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my go to. Um, I do get frustrated with people when they get dogs and they can't physically control them. So they switch to a tool that causes the dog discomfort and pain. Mm -hmm. That's not, that's not fair. It's not the dog's fault that you 
didn't prepare. Yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm all about the harness and I think finding a good harness, obviously, you know, we're Kurgo fans. I love rough wear, anything that's really good and padded that you can use as a a hiking harness, a seat belt for the car. Um, You know, we bought little Myers a harness for the seat belt and um, it's just not comfortable. Mm-hmm. You could just tell it wasn't comfortable on him. Uh, we did buy him a new one, a rough wear. Um, and he seems better with that. Yeah. He seems more comfortable with that. Yeah. Um, now, he's still going to walk on a collar. I'm, I'm working with him on a collar. But if he starts getting too, you know, pulley today, I'll switch the leash from the collar to the harness. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, he's nine pounds. <laughs> so I don't really have to physically control. But I do. I think a harness with a double attachment leash is is going to be your best bet. Yeah, for that. And again, and I've mentioned this a million times, but I'm obsessed. Um, the belt. Oh, yes. The waist uh, leash or the belt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it it gave me more confidence um, and then not yanking and pulling. And that definitely helped the relationship uh, as well. Building yeah. that trust and and being able to use the strength of your whole body. Granted, there's sometimes we're hiking and that booger takes off after a squirrel and I'm not expecting it because she sees a lot better than I do. And, uh, you know, there are times it feels like she's ripping my body in half with that belt. But for the most part, that's the exception. But for the most part, um, it's it's much better. We need to get Amanda back on here so she can tell us where to place that belt or waist leash. Because she has actually talked to me about that. And I think it's like with the waist leash, I think she said put it on the widest part of your hips. That's what I, that's what I've, I've moved it yeah, down. So not your lower back. Yeah. I've moved it down so that it, it hits on the hips. That, yeah. Um, and so that's been helpful because I did, I had it literally on the waist Yep. and I'm like, Oh, there go my ribs and <laughs> you're like Ooh, my organs. And, yeah. Uh, so yeah, just the, the correct positioning is and I, and I important th- yeah. on that. And I think you're right. It goes to building the confidence of the dog and that trust coming back in of the dogs like, Oh, so I'm not going to get yanked around. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I do think that a lot of dogs get this negative association of walking with their owners because the owners do tighten up the leash um, or yanking a lot, pulling the dog back, the dog's pulling, and it's like this constant fighting fest. And and it's it's like it's it's like having that friend that is. And I don't have any of these friends right now, um, which I'm really <laughs> grateful for. Um, having a friend who, when you get with them, they constantly just complain about their life. Mm-hmm. I used to be one of those people. Um, now I don't have anything to complain about. I'm really happy, but. You get to a point after like four or five trips of having lunch with them, you don't want to go. Right. Because it's miserable. And that's what happens, I think, with your dog. But if that's the only time you go out to eat, you might suffer through it just so you can go out to eat. Mm. So it's like people go, well, my dog loves to go for a walk, even though I've used the prong collar. Doesn't mean he's enjoying the prong collar. It's just that he really wants to go for that walk. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that using those type of, of tools and equipment and you stop yanking on your dog can start to build that trust back. Yeah. And of course, and I, I probably should say this, I, I, I want it to be a blanket to where it's always there. You've got to mark your dog's behavior with a good verbal marker. Tell them constantly how good they're being. 
If you're on a walk with your dog, if you're on a 20-minute walk on your dog, you have got probably 150 chances to say good boy or good girl. Mm-hmm. Not 150 treats, but 150 opportunities. In that 20-minute span, you could easily say good boy, good girl 150 times. And if your dog is not giving you any opportunities to say good boy, then you need to not be in that environment. Yeah. I mean, Myers, we've had him, what, two weeks? Almost three weeks? Yeah. I mean, this dog already knows what good boy means. You should have seen him at class when he was behind the gate with Tiffany playing with a toy. When I would say good boy out loud to somebody, she said he would perk up and look. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he knows it. Yeah, we've conditioned that already. Um, Yeah, that's important. Yeah, because today... He's going to deal with a lot in his environment. My good boy needs to get through. Yeah. Not the treats in his face. He's going to get treats, but he's got to hear the good boy. The treats don't mean anything if I don't have that good boy to say Mm -hmm. yes. So that's another way also to really build your confidence up. If you're sitting there telling your dog how good they are, it's hard to feel nervous. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And one more thing to kind of throw in because I I actually talked to one of our students last night. Um she, you could tell she was a little nervous and she was very quiet. Um, and I said, she was like, I'm just so nervous. And, and they had been kicked out of an, another group class. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, this dog is fine, you know. Uh, but I talked to her. I was like, what do you do for a living? She was a, she's an ICU COVID nurse. Oh, I said, okay, hey. well, one, thanks for good your for, work. Good for her. Right. I'm sorry. Right. I know. But two, tap into where you might feel nervous and stressed inside, but you're not projecting that to your patients, right? If, you, if you're if you done with that 12-hour shift and you still have it left in you, tap into that. Mm-hmm. Tap into what you are confident in. Yeah. And, and grab a hold of that because if you're doing that in that job, you got it. It's in you. That's not something you're just making up. Yeah. It's, it's in you. You just got to dig in there and find it um, and use that. Mm-hmm. Well, so we've touched on this a, a little bit, but um, how do you how do you repair a relationship after aversives have been used? Um, I can see how it would be easier if you're the new owner, guardian, parent of a dog, and you're setting expectations on the front end. I can see how that would be a little bit easier. Um, sort of like you when you go into a client's home and the dog responds to you pretty quickly. And your client's like, how the hell did you do that? Well, this dog has no history with me. I'm going in and I'm setting expectations on the front end. Um, so in my mind, that would be a little bit easier if aversives have been used in the past to sort of switch that over and uh, establish that relationship. Like, oh, okay, cool. You don't, you're not mean. Um, but and and we've all been here. We've all been trained at some point in our lives to use aversive techniques uh, back in the day. Yep. We've all done it. Yep. I hate it, but yep. it's part of it. So, uh, you know, thinking about my Jake specifically, um, there was a, you know, a time when he was a young one and he had a, he had a pinch collar on. Um, you know, what do you do to salvage or repair that relationship and to build that trust again. Well, I think taking Jake is a good example because you're right. When I met you, he was wearing a prong collar. There was a lot of screaming and yelling, not just from you, but from other people in his life. And 
Um, and he did a lot of middle finger and would <laughs> leave sure, you. He sure did. Um, I, you know, the first thing is obviously get away from any aversive tools. That, that's going to be your first thing is stop screaming and yelling at your dog. Mm-hmm. Stop pointing out everything they do wrong. Get away from any aversive tools or anything that the dog feels uncomfortable about. Um, condition your verbal marker. All right. Take 10 treats. Tell them, good boy, give them a treat. Do that 10 times. Do that once a day for a week, twice a day for a week. All right. Use your verbal marker to tell your dog how amazing they are on a daily basis. 200 times a day, you could easily do that in the home of telling them how amazing they are for as simply as just laying there looking out the window or walking up to you while you're on the toilet or sitting nicely while you're cooking dinner. Mm-hmm. All right. You don't have to wait until you give your dog a command for them to respond to tell them how good they are. Right. It's like never telling your child great job and only telling them great job when you told them to go clean their room and they clean their room. Mm-hmm. Right. So start acknowledging good behavior on a regular basis. That's really important. The other thing that you need to do to help start repairing that is you need to start knowing what you want in given environments and given situations, right? If I have a dog that barks a lot when somebody knocks on the door, then you need to figure out what would what do you want your dog doing in that situation. Don't leave it up to your dog to figure it out. Set your dog up for success to figure it out um, or help your dog. Know what you want and help communicate that to your dog. Once you start setting the expectations, that can make a big difference. And it's really, it's amazing. There are a lot of people when I ask, what are your expectations in the house? And they're like, we really don't have any except for don't bark out the window. Don't jump on guests. Well, those aren't really expectations. Those are things you don't want that that doesn't communicate to the dog what you would rather have. So knowing what you want so you can start teaching your dog can can go a long way. Once your dog sees you as the one with all the knowledge, um, the the tour guide, so to speak, um, things are going to start to change. Lastly on that, probably the most important is that you need to be the one thing your dog can trust. The one thing your dog can count on no matter what happens in the environment. If your dog is worried about how you're going to react in in a situation, you're not going to have trust there. So if your dog knows that if another dog is running towards them, that you're upper management and you can head that off and you control it, then your dog is going to start trusting you. Um, So really being that one thing your dog can count on. You never want your dog to have to worry about how you're going to react or respond to them in a given situation. That's that's going to be a big one for people to think about. Mm -hmm. Don't be the one thing your dog is worried about. Yeah. Your dog should be, you're my rock. You need to be your dog's rock, which means consistency in your expectations, but also consistency on how you respond to things. Isabella's calmed down because you've learned how to handle situations like on a trail. Right. She knows that if another person's coming in a dog, you're going to handle that Mm -hmm. because you have. Yeah. And she's improved. So I think that's that's going to be one of the big things there. So I hope that answers the question correctly. Well, it is correct, but I hope it was enough. I hope it's enough. Yeah, confidence building is huge. Um, and we do have a we have a couple of episodes people mm-hmm. can go back about hand feeding and uh, problem solving, but enrichment, enrichment is also good yeah. and confidence building. 
Um, but I, I also see that confidence, a lack of confidence, isn't always based on the aversive techniques um, because confidence can be low based on a lack of socialization, which in turn creates behavior problems, which in turn creates owners using aversive techniques, which then just continues to mm. kill the confidence. Yeah. It may not be the root. Um, but yeah, I always want dogs to feel like they can handle things, that they can problem solve, they can think and use their brain, but that they also know that if they really don't understand something, they have you to count on. Yeah. Boom. That's what I got. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Are we done? Was that yeah, it? Yeah, sorry. I was distracted by my I know. Dog you're sitting there on the dog. I'm like, hey, we're, we're still working over here. <laughs> Isabella's like, are you done? I know. Isabella's like, I'm, I'm done with my nap. I'm ready to go. <laughs> so there you go. I hope that uh, I hope that helps you guys. And of course, um, I do have the, you know, we don't talk about it much, but I do have the foundation course of the way that we did problem solving um, in the past with hand feeding and door control. Um, we have a foundation course on udemy.com, and that's mm-hmm. U-D-E-M-Y.com. We can link it in the show notes. Um, and it's you can get it sometimes for like 20 bucks Yeah, and have lifetime access to it. Uh, so check that foundation course out. Um, it's, it's an older course. It's, you know, we don't have any enrichment in that because it's an older course, but it can at least give you some ideas on confidence building with problem solving mm-hmm. um, during hand feeding exercises and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, and teaching self-control. Yeah. So that goes hand in hand with the lack of confidence as well. So there you go. Anything else there? No, thank you. Thank you, Ira, for the, all of that. Yes, for thank questions you. And, uh, we appreciate you. Ideas. Thanks for listening over in, in the UK. We appreciate that. And we've got um, other listeners. We're go- I promise we're going to get to your questions. Um, lots of episode ideas from people. Uh, lots of questions. So we'll... I do have a couple of clients I'm going to put on. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to got schedule one with uh, with Heather, who's got, hey, Heather. Um, hi, Charlie. Um, he knows who I'm talking to. Um, we're going to talk to her about multiple dogs. And then Steve wants to come on for the, uh, you know, not being an asshole. So he see he should have been on this one on on changing the aversive. Well, and uh, so I didn't want to go too much into it because I know that you're gonna yeah. But but, his, but I want to hear his his perspective yes. is going to be great. So so he's going to be the main talker. Those are going to be uh, some upcoming upcoming things we have. Yes, so. um, and also my birthday is in 28 days. Yeah, it is. Boom boom, I'm going to be a young 22. Mm-hmm. No, actually, you know what? I'm not scared. I'm going to be 47. Um, age is just a number. I don't care. I've been on this earth for 47, I'll be 47 years and 26 of it will be working with dogs and people. Um, we're going to do something a little different for my, cause my birthday actually falls on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. which is typical day we put the podcast out. Um, we're going to do a kind of get to know me podcast episode. I'm really excited about this. So, uh, if you guys have like questions, and they don't have to be dog related. They don't. Uh, just get, about get to know your host, <laughs> Nikki. Go ahead and send that to uh, podcast at dogspeak one hundred one dot com. I'm gonna not show her these questions. Seriously, you're just gonna ask me on the fly. Oh yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun, fun interview. Yeah, you can get to know me. I'm I'm an open book. I have. I will share everything. I will share you. I will share with you. Um, my faults, the things I've done wrong, 
all the good things, I, things I love, like, whatever. You can yeah. ask anything. Yeah, so send those over. Send them over. So I can, uh, that's going to be our episode. I'll have my little note cards um, ready to go. But you need to get them in. Can we say by like the 19th? Yeah. Because we need to record that because we're off. We're going to be out of town from like the 23rd to the 28th. So we won't have time to record before the 29th. Right. So um, we'll probably record this the 21st or the 22nd. So if you can get your listener questions in mm-hmm. 19th or the 20th, that would be good. Yeah. All right. Good. And then keep an eye out for Instagram where we are going to do the uh, <laughs> yeah, we the contest to see what the hell Myers Strode is that is his name Myers Strode, um, and if you don't know, it's from Michael Myers and Laurie Strode. There's your first get to know Nikki Halloween fan. Boom boom, yay! All right, that's it. It's all I got. I uh, hope you guys have a phenomenal week. I hope you're getting warmer weather and drier weather like we are. Um, we love hearing from you. We want to keep hearing from you. So please send it on. Um, if you're not local. And uh, you want to get, you know, some training with us. We do Zoom consults. We've been doing quite a few Zoom consults uh, with people that are not local. And if you are local, we will be having another communication seminar coming up. Uh, What is that date? Is that in April? uh, May 6th. Oh, May. It's not till May. All the details are on Instagram. Well, there you go. And we'll uh, we'll keep talking about it as well. But I hope you guys have a phenomenal week. And uh, thanks again for all those listener questions. And uh, we just appreciate you guys and we love you. Have a great week.